Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. All right, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up today, it's, oh, it's looking more and more like Alex DeBrinkett has played his final game as an Ottawa Senator. We'll talk about that. If the Sens truly have an interest, by the way, in signing DeBrinkett long-term, why does it have to be done before the NHL draft? Why hiring Jacques Martin in Ottawa would make perfect sense? Red Blacks opening up a new season in Montreal on Saturday night, and the Florida Panthers perilously close to going down 3-0. But another OT winner, yet another one in Game 3 saves the day. Melissa get into some live tour discussion as well. All still ahead today here on the show. It is Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Greg, how are things with you today? Things are good, Stephen. Good morning to you. I- I'm in Montreal this weekend. The uh, the women's national team of Lebanon have got a couple of friendlies set up here. So I'm uh, getting together and offering my support, having a couple of meetings here to discuss the future with Lebanon hockey. Love it. And maybe yeah, you can take it. in the Red Blacks game on Saturday night. Uh, yeah, just before we came on air, you mentioned that. I got to figure out a way. Maybe I can do that. That'd be kind of, they got a good chance to win. It's a road game. True, true. And they've had a great record against the Alouettes. They've not won many games, but I think their record against Montreal is uh, well above a winning record. So uh, hopefully they get the season off to a, a good start uh, tonight. Uh, Bob Dice, new head coach. Unfortunately, Jeremiah Mazzoli, the, the guy they brought in last year to be their kind of crown jewel free agent signing. Still not ready. Going to be missing the first two weeks of the regular season. So, anyway, that's coming up tonight. I believe it's a, I want to say a seven o'clock, seven or seven. I apologize. I should have that in front of me, but I don't. But let's get into it. Uh, Lots to talk about today. And uh, like I said, off the top in the headlines, it is looking more and more like Alex DeBrinkett has played his final game as a member of the Ottawa Senators. And uh, I guess it's reached a stage where he has submitted a list of preferred NHL destinations. And that has led a lot of the fan base to going, oh, yeah, he definitely wants out. It's like, to me, it's we established earlier in the week that the Sens were going to explore all options. And included in that is what the trade market might look like, just to be on the safe side. And you really can't do that without discovering where Alex DeBrinkett might be happy because that's a that's a big part of this. If you want to deal this guy away, you want it to be someplace where there's a chance that he might sign long term, that he's happy there. So you want to know because there's nothing in it, there's no trade protection or anything like that. You want to know from DeBrinkett personally where might you be happy long term, and then that's a trade that makes more sense because you can get more for him because of it. Exactly, he's worth more to the Ottawa Senators on the trade market if you trade him somewhere where he will stay and sign. Or you've got the sign and trade. We just saw that yesterday with uh, with Columbus uh, getting Damon Severson out of New Jersey. It was a sign and trade. Now, the only uh, New Jersey only got a third-round pick for Damon Severson, but he doesn't have the the pedigree of, a, of an Alex Dabrinkett. Uh, the other option, of course, going back to Columbus within the last three, four days, Columbus makes a three-way trade. And 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 ends up getting uh, Provorov. There are options out there, uh, but you're not going to just flip them to Winnipeg and hope you get something nice from Winnipeg if he's not going to sign there. I, like people are talking about the the finding a goaltender somewhere, and maybe it's maybe it's from Winnipeg or maybe it's who knows whatever. There are any number of teams you could trade Alex to bring it to, 
but you want to trade them where you're going to get the best return and where you're going to get the best return is a place where Alex Dabrinkit is going to stay for the next sign and stay for the next eight years. Yeah. And right now Dabrinkit is saying he wants to wait for ownership. Uh, he wants to see what that looks like. And included in that is, and we mentioned this in the last episode, you know, who will the coach be? Who will the general manager be? What does this club look like? The philosophy of it and all that. Um, and I think we all agree that that's a, a fairly reasonable request. On the other hand, the Senators would like to see this thing settled before the draft. And Pierre Dorian said that, and I think everybody's accepted that at face value and said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to get it done before the draft. You are a team that has no draft picks in the first, second, or third round. So you probably want to maybe fill in some of those voids if uh, if a deal does have to go down. But it's like, if you really want to bring it long-term and you, and you said you do, but you need an answer before the draft day, I'm like, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Why? There, there are other opportunities in the NHL calendar year where you can make really, really good deals if you have to. Why not give Debrinket the time he needs? Why not wait till ownership is settled away so you still have a chance to maybe hang on to a very good player long-term? Yeah, it, it, I don't get it either. I, I understand the I understand why they've asked him for a list. I understand why he supplied them with a list. I understand why they're exploring uh, trade opportunities. But I do not understand this. Uh, I don't know if it's hard and fast, but I do not understand this deadline they've imposed of it's got to be done by the draft. Like you could trade him anytime you like. Uh, it just doesn't make sense that it has to be now, especially with with uh, what you heard about his feelings about the coaching staff and about being here in the future. So if he wants to be here, then he'll want to be here next week as well. He'll want to be here the week after the draft. He'll still want to be here down the road. So maybe you should share your little nugget, Steve. Yeah, I will in a sec here. I just want to mention one last thing on this in that uh, they've made really good deals before very recently. Like maybe the greatest trade in franchise history happened in September. Eric Carlson was traded to the San Jose Sharks in September. So then you look at trade deadline. Okay, we could look at J.G. Pajo as another smaller setter who doesn't have the pedigree of Alex Dabrinkit, and the Sens managed to get a first, a second, and I think a conditional third in there as well. It didn't work out, but that's a hell of a deal that was made at the trade deadline. And, I mean, I agree that you probably, I liken it to if I'm a manager and I have a choice as a pinch hitter, okay, there's a 280 hitter there. And I could pick him or I could pick the 260 hitter. <laughs> yeah, right now, right now, before the draft, I would say, yeah, that's your 280 hitter. But it's not like it's impossible to get great deals done at other times in the NHL calendar. And if it means keeping open the door to keeping Alex to bring it, then I don't know why we're, we're trying to shoehorn this in timeline-wise. And the other thing is, and you mentioned... Um, the source that I had, and I've, I've, I've quoted this source before uh, on the podcast, and uh, this is what he had to say because um, I basically threw it out there. It's like, okay, uh, where are we right now? Like, what's what's Alex's headspace? And my source says, and, and this source is very close to the family and, and has NHL ties. He would like to stay, but he knows this is the one that needs to have term in it, like a Cole Caulfield. He wants to get this right. He also said he likes the coach a lot and loves the team. I think he's worried that with all the guys making that money, he may not be in their plans, but was excited to play with a healthy Josh Norris. 
as an aside there, Greg, a little ominous that he went past tense there with the oh. was excited. Um, doesn't close the door necessarily. Oh man, we read into things, don't we? Um, and, and he throws in, by the way, I spoke to him a lot and I thought he actually became a better player this year with 39 assists. That is a career high, by the way. People talk about the goals being way off, and that's what he's known for. That's his calling card, obviously. But he did have a career-high 39 assists. Uh, but the big takeaway there for me was the coaching factor. And I think a lot of people, when they hear Alex DeBrinckit say, I want to wait for ownership, they jump to the conclusion, okay, he's waiting on coaching maybe. What's the coaching situation going to look like? And and then <laughs> filling in blanks, thinking maybe there's a riff there with, with DJ Smith. But no, my source says he likes the coach a lot and loves the team. No, but look at it the opposite way, though he's waiting on ownership to make sure that the same coach is here. Right. 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 That's, that's the other way of looking at it is that if he signs today and three weeks from now, new ownership comes in and changes the coach. Eh, maybe I'm I, I don't know this coach. I don't like this coach or I do know this coach and I don't like him. Right. Either, right. either or. And then it's like, geez, do I really want to be here? Like that was the thing that I, I remember saying this when we first talked about the, the trade between Florida and Calgary, and Jonathan Huberto goes to the Calgary Flames and within a day signs that mega contract. And I said it then, and I'm still thinking about it in this sort of situation. How do you do that? You've never been to Calgary. You've never played there. You don't know the team, the city. It's Daryl Sutter's the coach. You've never played for him. And boom, you sign a contract like that right out of the blue when you don't really even have to at that point in time. So I think that probably pl- factors into this too. We've all assumed it's, he, oh, he, he doesn't want DJ as his coach. So maybe he's not going to sign. Well, maybe it's, he really does want DJ as the coach and that's why he's waiting. Yeah. That's an interesting angle on it for sure. And the earlier uh, reference from the source, and, and I, I, I share this because I think that fans and listeners probably need to adjust their way of thinking about Alex to Cause he's not your typical NHL star. He says, Alex is happy in Ottawa and likes his teammates a lot, and he is having fun. He is not a typical star. He is beyond humble, and he isn't hiding from anything. What you see is what he is. And so, anyway, I don't close the door on it um, from his perspective, but this, I don't know, this artificial deadline that the Sens have put into this thing maybe the thing that uh, that fells this thing even more than... Uh, the ownership mess, which most people are pointing to as the reason that uh, maybe Alex DeBrinket is headed out of town. Yeah, we've said it before. We'll continue to say it. I just, this is really going to end up screwing this team. This this ownership thing could really have a, a major negative effect because of decisions that are being made or decisions that aren't being made while we wait and wait and wait. And it's uh, unlike any other ownership ownership transition anywhere else, on any other team that I can think of or any other sport that I can think of, this is having a real negative effect. Uh, Let's take a time out of the program. First time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get uh, more into the Debrinket story. We'll get uh, some discussion about the Stanley Cup final and much more after these words. Introducing the future of driving with Ford electric vehicles now available at Jim K. Ford. Say goodbye to gas stations and hello to efficiency with electric power that delivers a smooth and silent ride. With advanced technology and smart features, you'll experience a whole new level of convenience and connectivity. And with Ford's commitment to sustainability, you'll also be doing your part for the planet. So come on down to Jim K. Ford today and test drive the future with Ford EVs or visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes. 
ADSS Global is your trusted partner for all your accounting and financial management needs. Our team of certified Sage 300 experts will help you streamline your financial operations, optimize your cash flow, and improve your bottom line. We have the solutions. Hear what one of our satisfied customers has to say. The Algonquin Students Association has been with ADSS for over 10 years. Mark and his ADSS team are reliable and respond quickly to our requests and needs. Call ADSS Global today at 613-221-5950 or email mcashman at adssglobal.net. So there it is, courtesy of Sportsnet and CBC. Carter Verhage snapping a wrister from the slot high into the back of the net, 427 into overtime, and the pesky Panthers hang on to win 3-2 in OT against the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 3. That thing's pretty much over, although who knows with the pesky Panthers. Uh, They would have been down 3-0, but it's now a 2-1 series. And uh, right now, it's a very Montreal Canadiens-like run that the Panthers have been on from an overtime perspective. Remembering when the Habs won in 93, last Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup, they had 10 overtime victories in that cup run. The Panthers now are 7-0. Pretty impressive, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, uh, it was the Bob show uh, on, on Thursday night. My God, he stood, especially that second period. Like That, that yeah. game was could have gotten away from them, and the whole series was hanging in the balance, as they like to say. Uh, that the Bob stood on his head, like any discussion when we had it right here on this show about, is it Kachuk or is it Bob for the con Smythe if Florida wins? And I think we both agreed it's Bob. Uh, I, Matthew can't perform his magic in overtime. Like he did. If the Bob isn't making the saves that he's making first, the chicken and the egg kind of argument, I guess, but uh, the Bob stood on his head and, and wow, it was, it was a it was exciting game. Very well played, uh, battles, uh, some bi- another big hit or two again. Uh, it's been good hockey, and that's really when it comes down to it. If you don't really have a rooting interest, it better be good hockey, and, and that was nice to see. I wonder, is Florida back in it now, or was that just a, a blip? Will Vegas just come in and mop up the next two games? I think Vegas is the better team of these two, and they're playing such structure and great defense, and uh, I just it's a lot to ask of Bobrovsky to keep playing like that. I think Vegas ends up winning the next two games. And I know I took Florida. That was my pick. And so <laughs> I'll continue to cheer for that. But just, you know, f- forced to reevaluate mid-series here. Vegas just looks like the better team to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, even the game they lost, <laughs> right? Yeah. On Thursday night, they were the better team. Yeah. Uh, Marsha So continues to provide key goals at key times. And Aiden Hill has looked has looked every bit as good, if not better, than Bob at times. Or so, well, definitely at times. Games one and two, the Bob wasn't there. But on the backs of uh, those two, Mark Stone is 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 a whole different animal. I I sometimes watch him skating around the ice and think he must, he's either in terrible pain or he really can't skate anymore. One one of the two. <laughs> but uh, you know, Jack Eichel's look good. The whole team is. I I really like uh, Riley Smith. I love watching that kid play. Um, like they, they've got a, they've got a, is it Riley? It is Riley, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a, they've got a really good team. Let's, let's face facts. That yeah, blue right. line is phenomenal. Uh, they are the better team. Yes. Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsha. So not that they need any extra 
incentive. They're trying to win a Stanley Cup ring here, but playing against the Florida Panthers, who basically in the midst of the expansion draft flurry of trades, uh, end up getting dealt by the Panthers and uh, ending up in Florida. That's uh, a little extra incentive there. And Marcia so just a house on fire. 13 goals in his last 13 games. And what's even more remarkable than that is that he's not the goals leader in the playoffs. Leon Dreisaitl is tied with him, <laughs> and he hasn't played in a month. So that's how cold Marcia so was in the early going of these playoffs and how hot Leon Dreisaitl was throughout that is quite a stat. But I want to ask you about Matthew Kachuk, who's right there in the goals department, by the way, with 11 goals. He took a big hit in that one. In our last episode, we talked about Kachuk's huge hit, and uh, that was on Jack Eichel. And we we agree it was one of the cleanest hits we've seen. But, of course, people took issue with it. He had to fight because it was such a hard hit and all that. And uh, a lot of people saying, I live by the sword, die by the sword, because Kachuk took a massive hit in game number three and was actually doing the Bambi legs thing mm-hmm. after the hit leaves for, I don't know, last half of the first period doesn't come out for the second, eventually wanders onto the bench in the, in the middle of the second or early in the second. And I got to thinking to myself, I don't know, just the eyeball test there in terms of concussion that uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. We wouldn't even be having this discussion if it were 1980 We'd say, oh, what a warrior to get back in there. Just throw some dirt on it. Get back in there. We'd, we'd admire that. But I kind of raised an eyebrow at it here in 2023, wondering if maybe Kachuk gave the old Heisman, <laughs> the old uh, straight arm to uh, the medical staff and say, I'll get out there. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really worried about what you guys have to say right now. Well, there's supposed to be no way around it. You're not, you're apparently you're not allowed to do that and it can't happen that way anymore because it's actually a, uh, an NHL spotter up in the stands who says, Hey, take that guy out, take him to the dark room, which leads me to, to agree more with what Elliot Friedman had to say. And he showed the footage. Um, It looks, it looked more like it might be a shoulder thing, right? You, You watched him trying to move his arm and lift it and, and they, they were rubbing it down, and uh, maybe it's more of a shoulder injury than uh, than a concussion. But then again, concussion. Yeah, how 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 did he feel Friday morning? How does he feel this morning? You know, the concussion can be a little bit a little slow in coming on, kind of thing. Right. So initially, well, how yeah, did he you feel right away? Time. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, right away he must have been okay because they they he must have passed the test, I guess, because he ended up coming back into the game. And I I, I don't know. It's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to lie your way through or cheat your way through one of those tests. And uh, I just, I got to feel it's the shoulder uh, and same with Montour. Did you see him? He just, he was not moving his arm at all there. That's definitely a shoulder injury there. So they, they, yeah, they came back and won a game, but uh, did they, did they lose the, what is it? They won the, well, they, they won the battle, but they may lose the war because those two guys are key components of their team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm not a doctor, nor do I try to play one on the radio, but I, I, I always I make, make assumptions. If somebody's been knocked goofy to the point where they stumble after the hit, they get up and they fall, that, that suggests to me probable concussion. But anyway, it, uh, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, that series continues, and uh, we have a series now, which is good. I mean, it would have sucked if we'd uh, seen a sweep here in the Stanley Cup final, but uh, we're heading for game four. And that will be in Florida and the Panthers 
you're never in trouble until you lose a game at home. And the Panthers still have not done that, as they say. So um want to jump back to the Senators. And with the Alex DeBrinkett thing, um, you start to look at the Shane Pinto. Because, I mean, right now, Shane Pinto is a free agent, an RFA, just like Alex DeBrinkett. But right now, DeBrinkett is soaking up all the spotlight. At some stage, they're going to have to look at Shane Pinto. And he's a he's an interesting case because we don't know what Shin, Shane Pinto is going to be exactly yet. He just finished his first season in the league, played all 82 games, so I'm sure he was thrilled about that after missing almost all of last year with his own shoulder injury. And um, I don't know, what do you think? Like, where should the Sens headspace be with this guy? Is he like a leading man someday? Is he a supporting cast member? Do you go long-term? Do you go short-term? I, I think that the term of the deal will have more to do with, with uh, what they want to do with Sanderson and what they do with Debrinket or whoever replaces Debrinket. Uh, it's, it sounds kind of crappy, but really Pinto has got to wait. He's got to be patient here, and, and he's probably down the list. Uh, and being an RFA to begin with, he's down the list as priority. So it takes a bit of time, work some other things out, and then circle back around to Pinto. There's probably been, been early discussions with him. But I think I, I've been of the mind all along that he's probably a bridge deal because just by numbers, he's going to have to be a bridge deal. Uh, where he ends up playing, I, 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 he should be, to me, he should be the number three center. That's where he slotted best based on his performance this past season. Uh, when he was up the lineup, the numbers weren't quite there. The offense wasn't quite there with the guys he played with when he was up in the lineup due to injuries. Mm-hmm. I think he's a number three center. Um, I guess the big question is, can he play the left side if you end up moving to Brinkett and you don't get a an immediate replacement for Debrinkit? Is it Pinto who plays that left slot? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that, uh, yeah, the Debrinkit thing will steer you in a certain direction because you're going to have to, you know, look at a game plan. Uh, what does it look like without Debrinkit? And Pinto would be maybe somebody you consider. Obviously, he's hopelessly blocked right now. If Josh Norris stays healthy, you've got him, you've got Tim Stutzla as your one-two, ironclad, carved in cement, all that stuff. Pinto is hopelessly blocked. Um, so if, if there's a situation where you consider a move to the wing, I think he could probably do that. Um, is he an asset in the top six? I'm not sure at this stage of the game. He, he, he was a perfect third-line center option. And if you recall, he did a lot of his scoring when he was like, I think, rookie of the month for October, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. When, he's, when he's putting up all those goals, I think it was mostly on the third line with, I think, uh, Matthew Joseph and the guy who ended up in, uh, in New York, Tyler Mott. So playing against lesser opponents, yeah, he, he's, he's doing fine. Is he ready for prime time? We'll find out in the fall, but um, you know, I think he he too may push for a short term deal because you know he he's he's probably going to bet on himself too. Like even if the Sens came to him and said, "Okay, DeBrinket's gone, we want to sign you up long term," yeah, I think he'd probably want to go short as well because he knows you know Norris has been a guy that keeps keeps breaking down. DeBrinket, he's out now. Giroux's going to be 37 when his contract expires in two years. There's half your top six right now, right there. So you might have some pretty serious opportunities here down the line. The Sens certainly don't want another Colin White scenario. Ugh. They paid White for what they hoped he'd become, and he certainly did not. You know, he's a nice, lively player for Florida, but he's certainly not a guy that you'd go long-term with with pretty solid money. It was what it was rough. 
what did he end up getting? Something like a five by five or something yeah. like that. I forget exactly what the contract was, but uh, way out of line to the point where they end up buying him out. And so they don't want to take another young center and overdo it in the early going before they know what he is. The, the thing about Pinto is, is that, you know, any productivity he's had so far has been mostly, you know, without the best of line mates. What Colin White did and what got him paid, he was playing with Colin or with uh, Mark Stone and Brady Kachuk when he put up all those numbers in, in that rookie year that got him paid. So uh, always a cautionary tale. Looking for a vehicle that's environmentally friendly and fun? Look no further than the Ford Mustang Mach-E, available now at Jim K. Ford. This electric car will have you laughing all the way to the bank with savings on gas and maintenance costs without giving up excitement and performance. And with zero emissions, you can finally breathe easy, literally. So if you want a car that's as exhilarating as it is eco-friendly, come down to Jim K. Ford today and take a spin in one of our Mach-E's today. Visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! All right, a couple of things before we launch in here in segment number three of the program. I am the editor and senior writer of the Hockey News Ottawa page. You can check that out, thn.com backslash Ottawa. One of the stories that we have on the page right now is, this is the screaming headline here, why hiring Jacques Martin in Ottawa would make perfect sense. Uh, put that out a couple of days ago. Got quite a bit of positive response. I don't know that there was anybody that was against the idea. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, in a major role like head coach. Like if he still wants to get into it, and he is 70 years of age now, by the way, if he wants an assistant coaching role or to be a consultant and knowing that, you know, his calling card is structure and defense, team defense. And what what other sends need more than that? Uh, it seems to me to be a perfect fit. And I've, and I've said it all along, Steve. I've been a fan of this of this idea for a long time now, a couple of years. Um, he, he was responsible. I don't know that everyone knows this, but he was coaching the D in Pittsburgh when they were winning cups not too long ago. Uh, the man can coach. The man can teach. The man can hold players accountable. Um, even if it's not, I think it has to be, it should be as, as an assistant coach running the D. But why not as a consultant? Why not as the GM? He was the GM in Florida, albeit briefly, but he was once the GM in Florida. Uh, he could be a consultant. He could be your president. He could be in charge of hockey ops. There's all. There's got to be a place for Jacques Martin with the Ottawa Senators, assuming he wants one. Uh, if I were the ownership, I'd say, like, what job do you want, Jacques? How can we fit you in here? Because not only does he does he have all that sort of experience in those areas, but also he's bilingual. He's originally from the area. And he's been a part of the best years, the best sustained years in the history of this franchise, where while Jacques Martin, Jacques Martin was behind the bench. No question. The French language sends podcast called La Brigade Pod had Jacques Martin on, I think, back in the fall. And he's still very much interested in getting back in the NHL. Still feels like he has something to offer. And uh, so there's step one. And the other angle is that he was with the Kingston Frontenacs this past Ooh. season as their senior advisor to the coaching staff and the management team. And again, it'd just be a great resource really across the board for both DJ Smith and Pierre Dorian. And it wouldn't be a scenario, I, I think, in the big picture where, you know, he's uh, like the next GM in waiting, for example, which was kind of a Pierre Maguire assumption. You know, I think that uh, Eugene Melnick brought in Pierre Maguire 
to not only help out and be a kind of a second set of eyeballs, but also to be the GM in waiting. And uh, after Melnick's passing, that was something that was immediately dealt with by Dorian. I don't feel like it would be that in this case. This is a 70-year-old guy. I, I don't necessarily think he has GM aspirations at this stage of the game. I do think he has definitely something to offer. And, uh, I mean, 1,294 NHL games coached. That's 17th on the all-time list. He's seen everything, but getting some structure to the Ottawa Senators on the team defense side when it's such a glaring weakness for them right now, I think that would be absolutely a boon for this franchise. Did you know that this will be the 40th anniversary this fall, uh, the first time Martin stepped behind a bench in a mm-hmm. high-level game? He, uh, he was with the Peterborough Peets. And talk about a rocketing Like, what an ascension. So in 1983, he basically makes his debut behind the bench in a high-level game with the Peterborough Peets behind Dick Todd, 1983 assistant coach. Two years later, he's head coach in Guelph, wins the Memorial Cup with the Platers in his one and only season there. And that same fall, he was the head coach of the St. Louis Blues in 86-87. Now that is is a... is a quick study, I guess, when you get down to it. Yeah, yeah, and and really made a made a decision to go to Peterborough. Basically, he he was a supply teacher. Like you, you weren't making a lot of money as an assistant coach in the OHL in those days. He right. went to Peterborough and was a supply teacher and and going to practices in the afternoon and coaching the Peets as a, as an assistant when he first got there, and then off to St. Louis within two years, as you mentioned. I'll I'll tell you my Jacques story. Uh, I've known Jacques a long time, uh, but the, the about a week before he was hired here in Ottawa, Jacques still runs a hockey school, by the way, out in Rigo. And every year I, I was working for the Ottawa District Hockey Association at the time, which is now HEO. And Jacques was, it, it came in every year. I get him the list of the, the names and addresses of all the players in the branch, every, every you know, novice Adam Peewee kid, because they would mail out flyers to the hockey school. And and normally I'd put it together. He was in Colorado at the time as an assistant. I'd put it together and I'd I'd we'd we'd find a mutual somebody who could take it to him when he wasn't in Ottawa. But this year, all of a sudden, that year, all of a sudden, out of the blue, he says, "I'll be in town next week uh, or in two days. I'll come in and pick the stuff up." And it was a week before, and I said, "What are you really doing here, Jacques? It's the middle of a season. You're an assistant coach with the Colorado Avalanche. You're here in Ottawa. Like, what's going on, buddy?" So I I knew he was going to be announced as the head coach of the Ottawa Senators about four days before the rest of the world knew I had to hang on oh, to that cool. information. It was, it was, it was funny. I was chirping him and teasing him about that. It was rather obvious what was going on. All right. Staying with the coaching front, uh, the Anaheim ducks have hired Greg Cronin as their new head coach in the blue jackets. That's the big one. Yeah. They have reportedly decided to hire Mike Babcock as a head coach. And that's been out there for two or three days now. And um, well, at this stage, Nothing official on the Columbus Blue Jackets website. I haven't seen anything official at all, but it seems to be taken as the gospel. So let's get into it. Mike Babcock, what do you think after the controversy in uh, in him leaving Toronto with some rather dubious coaching tactics? <laughs> Columbus has decided to take a flyer on Mike Babcock. Well, like you know what they say, right? Everybody always says uh, everybody should get a second chance and if people can change and we should give them a second chance. So, okay, here it is. 
I don't, I, a team is willing to give him a second chance so that it, maybe he's changed or he's learned from his sort of hardcore ideas and some of the things that he's done in the past, actions, uh, and they're giving him a second chance. But then, you know, you have people still who are saying, well, wait, you can't do this. This is terrible. What's going on? That doesn't make any sense. Like, which is it? It's, it's yeah, we believe in second chances or no, we don't. I think if the guy can coach and he has a resume that proves that he can, uh, he's had great success in many different stops in his career. Uh, Colorado, Colorado, Columbus did their did their due diligence. Apparently, Yarmo Kekalainen met with a lot of the players, if not all of them, and asked them about this this idea. What do you think of this? And I guess it passed, and the players were okay with it. Now I just don't understand why we haven't had an official announcement. All we've ever really had now has been rumors, nothing official as of yet. Yeah, there's some other names that have been drifting around in Columbus at this stage. Gerard Gallant, Peter Laviolette, Patrick Goudois. Man, when you think about it, right, just as an aside here, Greg, uh, it really is just musical chairs, the whole NHL coaching game. They were also looking at Joel Quenville, Babcock in the mix, and uh, people thought, okay, probably won't be Quenville because of the Chicago controversy, but not many thought it would be Mike Babcock either. And... You know, I mean, what he did in Toronto, you know, and he had some bad moments. Just ask Mike Commodore. If if you've been on Mike Commodore's social media over the last week, you'll know what he thinks of Mike Babcock. He personally thinks that Babcock set out and did so successfully to ruin his career. Um, So he does not like Babcock. and, And there are others who do not either. But at the same time, do you bury a guy forever because of negative coaching tactics? Um, do you deserve a second chance? Columbus also, we know for sure, has given a second chance to Ivan Provorov, trading for him from the Philadelphia Flyers. And he, of course, is the one who took a lot of flack on social media uh, for not participating in wearing the jersey, the Pride jersey, on Pride Night with the Philadelphia Flyers. Lots of people buried him for that. And uh, Columbus uh, decides to give him a second chance as well. And... uh, I guess that's the thinking with Kekalainen, because I have a lot of time for Kekalainen, former Ottawa Senator yeah. player. He's a he's a good human being. I have to think that 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 like you talked about. I think that is his mo on this thing. Yeah, and I have no problem with it. Like I, the the results will show. Mike Babcock goes into Columbus. They're not going to be very good, but I bet they're going to be better with him behind the bench than with uh, any number of other people they could they could be considering. Right. And that the results will show he, he he could easily, and they've already, now you've got Provorov in, you've got uh, Damon Severson just been acquired. They, they're shoring up the blue line there in a hurry, aren't they? Uh, they're, you know, they, they, they traded away Grav, Gav, Gavrikov because they didn't want to pay him what, what the guy wanted. And okay, now they're making changes. They, they got stuck. They had some poor goaltending almost all year. They had injury problems. Coach lost his job. Okay, give Mike Babcock a shot. I don't. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I. 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 I can separate Mike Babcock, who apparently can be a bit of a jerk, from Mike. From Mike Babcock, the coach, and from what he did as a coach and the way he runs a program, uh, teaching and developing a team. And I'm. I'm a Babcock fan in that sense. All right, going to be a great weekend, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you very much for being with us today, ladies and gentlemen. Greg, you enjoy your time in Montreal, and we shall talk to you next week. For sure. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. 
Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.